text that was read just a moment ago in Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 51. Verse 52 says to us, And Jesus increased in wisdom and nature and in favor with God, and not only with God, but man. So a great verse there that talks about our, <clears throat> our Lord. The title of our uh, lesson tonight is My Father's Business. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 21, the Bible says to us in so many words that we are to imitate, or actually in those words, we are actually to imitate uh, our, our Lord. And when you go and you go and read that, and it says to us, for even here we were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. Now one might say tonight, well, I can't be like Jesus. I can't be perfect. Well, you're right. You won't be perfect. But we're to strive to imitate him. We're to strive to be like him in his knowledge and wisdom and stature and favor with man and, and all the things that represent our, our Lord. And in his early life, he did leave us that example. As the text was read tonight, you find them going to the feast. They're returning back home. And they miss him. One would say, well, how could you miss your child and not know that he's with you in a day or, or so? Well, they all traveled as one big band, if you will, and you didn't always know. Just kind of like us, if we go on a church up to Bible camp, you know your child's supposed to be there, right? <laughs> Unless you're with Seth, and he looks at you and says, where's Gavin at? And Gavin ain't as big as he is now then. And Gavin was a little big fella. And I was like, I don't know. I didn't know we had Gavin. Uh, so then uh, we get to looking for Gavin. Um, Seth is notorious for losing his children. Uh, if y'all don't know that. But that's the inside joke with that. But it would be, uh, it'd be like that. You know they're supposed to be there. And eventually he's going to run by you. That's how I did with Micah. Uh, I'd know he was there at Bible camp, and eventually he would run by. And I'd say, okay, there he is. Because his mom would say, have you seen Micah? No, but he'll be by here in a minute, just sit still. Uh, and that's the way he was. But anyway, that's the kind of situation that we had. But they found that he was not. But you notice in the scripture where he, he was. After those three days, they found him in the temple sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And they all that heard him was astonished at his understanding and, and the things that he was saying and the answers that he, was, that he was giving them. And they were amazed when they saw him. And his mother said, as we read just a moment ago, why have you done this thing? Why have you dealt with us this way? Because we have been worried. We've been sorrowing, as the King James puts it. 
And then our Lord replies that he must be about his father's business or in my father's house, if you will. I've got five things that I want to share with you tonight concerning our Lord's statement of my father's business, the business of his father. Number one, Jesus was busy at an early, early age. Many times in life people will say, well, we, boys and girls need a time to, to uh, sow their wild oats. They need to get out and see what life's about and, and uh, need to make some mistakes. Boys will be boys, sometimes they say. Well, I really don't always agree with that, that statement in a lot of aspects. But when we basically say, sometimes people would say, well, they're out sowing their wild oats. Galatians chapter 6 speaks to that thought in verse 7 and 8. It says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. That gives us a clear picture of one sowing as wild oats. One being boys will be boys, or we need to allow our teenagers to experience things of the world and, and see if they like it or they don't like it, or, or, or we might even use the thought of, well, everybody else is doing it, so I, I want to allow my kids to do it, and, and you know, or I've done those things, and and uh, I, I'm okay. Well, I've told you before, I hope there's a lot of things my kids don't do that I did. And that's not always a good, good judgment. But it says those who sow to the flesh will reap of that. Those who sow to the world or the lust of the eyes and the flesh and the pride of life and gain those things, that's the things that they will reap. Sometimes our young people want to know, why is all these things happening to me? Why am, is this you know, happening and being part of me and, and, and these bad things we say? Well, sometimes it's because of what we've sold. But as they, he went on to say, who that soweth to the Spirit shall the Spirit be everlasting. It's just on the other side of that coin, isn't it? But our Lord was busy at an early age, not sowing his wild oats. He was about his father's business. He showed wisdom in Luke chapter 2 and verse 52 that was just mentioned a moment ago. A moment ago. He increased in wisdom. He increased in stature and all the in favor with God and man. He grew, he matured, he, matured. He, uh, he was about doing what God wanted to do. And that's a great lesson for our young people today. Even at a young age, our young people can be a part of what God wants them to do. Sometimes they have the thinking that, oh, I, 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 can, I got all the time in the world and when I get older, and there's not so much fun things to do, then I'll get serious about becoming a Christian. Or I'll get serious about working for the Lord. But, 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 but until then, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what I want to do, and I'm going to enjoy life, and I'm going to enjoy sin. God may cut that short for you. He may not allow you to make it to that point. That's called flirting with God. 
and tempting God. And one should never be guilty of that. There are inspired warnings concerning those things. If you go to the book of Ecclesiastes, <clears throat> in chapter, chapter 11 and verse 9, it says, Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth. Let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart and in the sight of thine eyes. But know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. He says, be careful what you do. We sing that song sometimes with our young children. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little mouth, what you say. Feet where you go. Ears what you hear. Hands what you do. We're going to go on, go on, couldn't we? He says, be careful. He says, God's going to bring those things into judgment. Be careful with what you're doing. Also in chapter 12 and verse 1, Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. Our Lord was a great example of those, those things. When you go to the book, another inspired warning in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in conversation or manner of life, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in impurity. It's a grave warning to our young people, and even old as well. Let no man despise thy youth. Be about your father's business. If you go on over into 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, it says to us, flee those youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. You know, the question can be asked tonight, how will you turn out? What will people or God think of you? Tonight, ask that question to yourself. What will God, or what is God, and what are people thinking about you tonight? Now, as wrote of our Lord, and you say, well, that's Jesus. Well, we are children of God, aren't we? Baptized, we're, we're now those, we're members of the church, we're Christians, we're young men in the church, we're young ladies in the church. What, are, what would people, or what are people, and God thinking of each of us tonight, no matter how old or how young we are. You think about it. Is God satisfied? Is he okay tonight with your lack of doing or doing or lack of doing things for him? Is he okay with your study on a daily basis? Do you study the Bible daily? Do you pick up your Bible daily? Do you read the Bible daily? Are you increasing in that wisdom and knowledge? Young people, older people alike. You know, the sad thing is sometimes we don't pick up our Bibles or we don't read anything uh, religiously until we come back Wednesday night. Or we won't pick up a Bible or read anything religiously until we come back on the next Sunday. You see, that's totally opposite of our Lord. 
We should spend every day at some point, some time in the Bible and reading and studying. There's great articles that are put out uh, on different websites that from our good brethren that we can read, you know, even with your phone. There should be some studying, but there should be some studying right here with a pen and a pencil in that Bible. It's one thing to read it, but it's another thing to study it. And I think that's kind of thing what we've lost in the Lord's church. We can, we can read it. Everything is accessible. Within 15 seconds, we can pull to the Internet and we can type in a keyword and we can have every verse on that. And that's good. That's quick. I use that a lot. It saves a lot of page turning. It really does. But there's a difference between just reading it and taking a pen and pencil or a piece of paper and studying it, writing down those important parts, getting a, a good uh, concordance and, and dictionary and, and really digging into the Word of God and studying it. So our Lord was busy at an early age. Number two, Jesus took his work seriously. You know, in today's world and religion, Sometimes it's hard to get people to be serious. Everything is, I won't say not a joke, but everything is just, very, they make light of it. And they say, oh, it's just something that you do. It's something that old people do. It's something that my grandmother and grandfather did or my older parents who do. Uh, it, it's nothing really serious. There's not one thing listed between one cover and the other cover that's not serious in God's Word. Our Lord was serious about His work. He took it seriously. We try to teach our children that when they're employed by employers, you take your work seriously. You, you go in and you give a man an honest day's work for an honest day's pay. You be honest. You take and you actually give him more than what he expects. When there's downtime, you find something to do. We try to teach our children those skills. Those are good working skills. But sometimes we don't take that over into our Christianity as well. The question or the statement can be made, must, must, be about father's business. Nothing could interfere. That's where he was at. If you notice, that's what he said. I must be about my father's business. Nothing else is going to come in between me and what my father wants and what I need to do for my father. Now the question lies for us. Do we look at it from I must versus must I? You think about that. I must be about or must I be about? You go to the book of Romans in chapter 12. Kind of shed some light on, these, on this thought. You see, we have a task and we have a mission. And we need to take it seriously. Romans chapter 12 and verses 10 and 
11 say to us, Be kindly affectionate, uh, affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor refer, preferring one another. And notice what it says in verse 11. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Not slothful in business. Or one way to say it, in diligence and not being slothful, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. We must, must be about our Father's business. You see, the Lord and our God intended for His people to be busy people. He didn't intend for them to be slothful or lazy. That's why He put Scripture in the Bible. It says a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. That's why he says to be, to be that good example in the, in the community and, and those types of things. He says, be busy people. Be about my business. Be good examples. Be good stewards of what I've given you. And that's the lesson we need to take away from that. If you look in on over into the book of Titus, in Titus chapter 2, and I want you to look at verse 14 in chapter 2. And then we're going to go back and we're going to look <clears throat> at 1 through 8. Verse 14 says, Who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity, and purify himself, what? A peculiar people, or a people for his own possession, one might say, zealous of good works. Now you think about that. Now let's go back to the beginning of that chapter in verse 1. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Now you think about this as we read this. A sober attitude derives, and you're going to see the word sober here, from the seriousness of our task. Now notice what it says in verse 2. The aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity or love, in patience. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, to be reverent in demeanor, or not false accusers or slanderers, not giving to much wine, teachers of good things, uh, one might say of that which is good, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet or sober-minded, uh, chaste keepers, workers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed, Young men, likewise, exhort to be sober-minded. In all things, he's saying, young men, show thyself a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, and sincerity. A sound speech that cannot be condemned, that uh, he that is in the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. You see... 14 says he gave himself for us to redeem us from that sin and that iniquity to purify himself a special people 
a peculiar people. And then you go back in the very beginning and you read 1 through 8 and it gives you the instruction to our, our older men and to our women and to our young people of how to, to be that peculiar people. I've got a note in my Bible that says, this is how daddies and mamas should, things that they should teach to their children. You see, those, go study those words. It'll take you uh, several months if you'll just go study 1 through 8 and, one, and down to 14. It'll take you a long time, but it'll do you well good. If you want to know how to, to teach your young women all those things, right there, go study it. Our Lord took his, serious, his, his, his mission seriously. So you go on. And that sober attitude is derived from those things. He tells us to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All those other things will be added to you. First Timothy chapter 4 and verse 16, Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine, continuing them, for in doing them thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Take our task Seriously, our Lord did. Number three, Christ had a knowledge of his task. When you go there in, in Luke chapter 2 and 46 and 47, and how they described his answers and how he talked to them and the questions that he asked, he got a reaction there in the temple. Christ had a knowledge of his task. I can remember as a young man growing up, Brother Thurman Kimbrew. He was a man who was a farmer and very faithful in the Lord's church, and he never missed pretty much a gospel meeting somewhere, one night in different places, and he never missed a gospel singing on Sunday afternoon. He would always sit on that side and in that corner of the front bench. And we young boys would get up and lead a song. <clears throat> and he would compliment every kid that got up there. He'd say, you're doing a good thing, son. Keep it up. I can remember when I would get up and lead and he would say those things. And, and, uh, and I can remember my mother being so proud when she would hear those things. You see, one thing I think as parents, that we need to be hearing those things about our children. And what do you, we say, what are you saying, preacher? We don't seek out those things. Everybody likes a pat on the back. But we need to be hearing that our children are different. We need to be hearing people say, man, you're doing a good job or, or the way you're, you're dressing, the way you're acting, the, uh, well, I hear your peers talk about you and, and you're really, you're really a, a good light and a good uh, example to those peers that are around you. And, and, and we need to be hearing those things. And again, we're not self-seeking those things. But you know, it's just like our Lord. He got a reaction, didn't he? Why did he get a reaction? Because he was so young 
And it was unlike that type of a young person to know, and yes, he was Jesus. Yes, he was the Lord. But we are no different as young people today and older people as well. Not, again, that we do it to self-seek gratitude and those types of things. That's totally for the wrong reason. But he got a reaction in the temple. He had knowledge of his task. How much knowledge do you have when it comes to the Word of God? In discussing the Word of God with someone, well, I, I, I don't know. I couldn't... You know, I read an article the other day, and I forget the percentage in the Lord's church, but it was, it was above 50% of the people who did not know the plan of salvation or where to go and find it. That was in the Lord's church. 60-something percent didn't know why we did not use instrumental music. They just knew we don't. They didn't know any scripture, Ephesians 5, 19, Colossians 3, 16. And you may tonight be sitting there and say, well, I didn't know that. I didn't know those things. There are several other things listed there. They didn't know why we met on the first day of the week. A high percentage didn't know that. The Lord's Supper, it was, it was a lot of things. And it's things that we're failing to teach and talk to about our young people and learn ourselves. But our Lord knew and had knowledge of his task. In Matthew chapter 7, 28 and 29, the multitudes were astonished at his doctrine and that he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. You know, the officers, if you remember in John chapter 7 and 44 through uh, 46, the officers were sent to arrest him and they come back and they were asked, why don't you have him? They said, well, we were impressed by him. You really want us to arrest this one? We were impressed by him. He had knowledge of his task. And the same thing goes for us. We have got to know our business. In Matthew 28 and 19 through 20, we read about the Great Commission where it says, go into all the world. It says, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. Our business is teaching others, but we must first teach ourselves. 2 Peter 3 and verse 18, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15, study to show thyself approved, a work when nothing is not to be ashamed. Rightly what? Dividing. I think sometimes we, we, we want to allow the preacher or the elder or the Bible school teacher to do all the study and the rightly dividing. That's not like our Lord. That is not like our Lord. He knew and he had knowledge of his task. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 11 through 13, we could ask the question tonight, our business is teaching others. We must teach ourselves. But what as, as a congregation, 
In verse 11, he gave some to be apostles, some to prophets, and some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints or unto the work of the ministry, the edifying or the building up of the body of Christ. And there in verse 13, it says, Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect or full-grown man unto the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. And 14 describes this, doesn't it? It says, until we do those things, until we grow, until we get that knowledge, until we have knowledge of the task, until we start picking this Bible up daily, he says, you're going to be tossed to and fro. Bible says, oh, no, 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 I'll be right here at McCoinsville. Well, you might be right here at McCoinsville, but you may not be growing. Let me exhort you tonight to do that. Number four. He was persistent and unwavering. He was determined to do these things. Determination was seen in the prophecy. In Isaiah 50 and verses 6 and 7, you can see the determination prophesied there. In his teachings in John chapter 4 and verse 34, he says, My meat is the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. So in his teachings, he was determined. In his action, he was determined. And it must be seen in us. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, what? Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding, what? In the work of the Lord. And then you'll know that it's not in vain as he ends that scripture Number five, Jesus found it necessary to sacrifice. You know, that's one thing that I don't, we sometimes, and I say we, I include myself. Sometimes I look at things in my life and and I'll say, well, you know what? I'm a preacher and I study all the time and I deserve, I've said that to myself before, I deserve some time without having to to study. Because I do a lot of studying. I sit at the end of my kitchen table, uh, sometimes early in the morning, sometimes late at night, and study. And you say, well, you know, you're the preacher, you're supposed to do that. Well, you're right, I have to speak to you each week or I get to speak to you, let me put it that way. But you have that responsibility too. But you know, he found it necessary to sacrifice. There's been a lot of times through my children growing up, one would say, Dad, let's go fishing, or let's go this or go that. And it would be on a Saturday uh, or or something, and there would be a funeral, or there would be... uh, Maybe I'd had a very big disease that week, that week, and needed Saturday to study. And I couldn't say, well, yeah, let's go. There's some sacrifice there, not to toot my own horn. But I asked the question, do we ever sacrifice? 
Or when things come up in our life, do we say, no, I work five days a week or six days a week. I deserve a day on the lake or I deserve a day in the woods or I, I've got to go do this and, and God, I'm just going to put you on the back burner. You see, there needs to be sacrifice in our life. Our Lord did. Go to Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 5 through 8. And notice what he says through here. Ephesians uh, chapter 2 and verses 5 uh, through 8. And he says to us there that ain't where I'm wanting to go either. Hold on. I'll find it in a second. I was right. Philippians. I told you wrong. I was right in the first place. I was in Philippians. I was like, no, that ain't Philippians. That's Ephesians. It's Philippians 2, 5 through 8. It says, let this mind be in you. Notice these words. Let this mind be in you. Paul's writing, and he's talking about our Lord, which was also in Christ Jesus. Paul says, let this be how you think who being or existing in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God or counted it not the being on an equally, uh, equality with God a thing to be grasped. But notice verse 7. Our Lord says, made himself of no reputation, meaning that he emptied himself, took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He sacrificed. What do we sacrifice for God or, or our Lord? What do, we, what do we sacrifice? What do we give up? What does he demand of me? Romans 12, verse 1, Beseech you therefore, uh, beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, or spiritual, that word reasonable there being spiritual. Paul writes in, in Galatians, he says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life uh, which I, I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians, uh, in Galatians as well, 6 and 9, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we what? Faint not. Jesus found it necessary to sacrifice. God will reward. Let us not be weary in well-doing. Tonight, the lesson is yours. Maybe these five things that Christ's done, maybe you do a few of them. But let me exhort you and encourage you to put all of those things into practice. Let me encourage you to sacrifice something this week something that you want to go do or maybe you you need to do but then do something for the Lord 
sacrifice something. Sometimes it's often projects or work for me, and I say, well, I need, I need to get that done at the house. But then I may say, well, I got something else I need to do. I need to study, or I need to do this, or I need to go visit, or I need to go call. Do something. Sacrifice this week something. Our Lord sacrificed for us, didn't he? He died upon the cross, became like a servant. He was obedient. Maybe tonight you need to become a Christian, and maybe you need to be like our Lord. Be serious. Take the task seriously. Take the torch seriously and say, this is what I've got to do. Our Lord was young when he was found in the temple. Young people, don't think that. Don't think that you have to be old to get serious about your faith. That's not the way it is. David's a great example of that, a young boy. Many examples in the Bible. Be serious about your faith. Be serious about serving God, studying your Bible. Parents, look after to your children and make sure they're studying Make sure they make these Bible Bowl studies. Make sure they make classes. Make sure that they're putting in some time on their own. That's what you want. And that's what we need to be like our Lord. Tonight, the lesson's yours. Whatever need you may have, may need tonight, let us pray for you and with you. And we ask you to come as together we stand and as we sing.